2: Tennessee Titans went to Philadelphia on Sunday, got beat 35 to 10. A.J. Brown did the kind of things that A.J. Brown typically does. And the Titans started the week with some moves. On Monday, they signed free agent outside linebacker Ter- Terrell Basham, placed wide receiver Cody Hollister on injured reserve. Hollister now. The earliest he can be back is the season finale at Jacksonville. Tuesday, fullback Torrey Carter, defensive lineman Samuel Kwanyo released. Kicker Caleb Shudak, who was released Saturday, brought back to the practice squad. Two other guys released from the practice squad. Oh, and then there's this. General Manager John Robinson fired. His team's in first place. His team's almost certain to be in the playoffs for the fourth straight year, the fifth time in six years. Yet there's elements of this move that are not surprising. And we will look at that, look deeply at that move and, and the issues surrounding it here on this edition of Believe in Titans brought to you by Bet Online with uh, with Denard Walker and John Glennon. Gentlemen, how's everybody today?
3: Good. Doing well.
2: All right. So uh, again, believe in Titans is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting to props and futures. Head to bet online today and use your mobile advice or excuse me, or use your mobile device to join and join today to make your first sports bet. Use our promo code believe fifty that's b l e a v five zero to receive your fifty percent discount. A welcome bonus is waiting for you on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts all right. So let's get uh let's get right to it. I always I always enjoy this. The official press release from the Titans said that the Titans and general manager John Robinson part ways. John Robinson was fired. Denard Walker, what's the most surprising part of this decision to you? The timing of it, the fact that it happened at all. Uh what 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 stands out to you here right now?
4: Both. Both, because this is a team that's still leading the AFC. They're the number right now. They're number one. And I'm trying to figure out this move. I mean, I I've always believed when you've when I've played in this game, someone taught me a long time ago. They used to say, Denard, expect the unexpected. That's for players and coaches. And the fact that you would make a move like um, right now, this organization would make a move like this. It's it's really scary because it's also kind of in telling and it's saying to me that. I wonder if there's more moves that are about to happen that we don't know about.
2: Well well, that's an interesting point then. Like as a player, players hate distractions. You know, players can deal with things in the locker room. They can deal with things on the field. How big a distraction is this for those guys in that locker room right now?
4: It's a big distraction. I mean, that's the general manager. I don't think it's gonna affect this team because ultimately they're the ones who decide the fate on Sundays, Thursday, or Monday nights. So when you have players like Kevin Bard, you have players like Ron Tannehill, it's their job to take control of that locker room. But this is a huge move. David, I don't understand. How do you fire a coach right now where you're still leading the AFC? I know you've lost two straight games. I understand that he didn't make a move in free agency. I thought he was going to go out and get a list, at least a number one receiver. There were some good players out there. But I don't know. You two were. You guys are in the building, not me. I, I just I didn't see this coming.
2: John Glennon, there you go. Did you see it coming, and and if not, what's the most surprising thing to you?
3: Yeah, I, I completely saw it coming. I just didn't want to <laughs> let anybody know. I, <laughs> out I didn't want to shock anybody. Uh, no, I certainly um, didn't didn't see this coming. And and I agree with Denard. You know, you, I mean, you look at the uh, the track record here. Um, this is six straight winning seasons since he was hired in 2016. This is going to be the seventh straight winning season um the only team that's had more consecutive winning seasons currently is Kansas City with 9 um it's uh let's see six straight seasons um oh the, the only time th- this franchise i believe has done uh, anything more than six straight seasons was seven and that was 87 and 93 uh, um you've been to the playoffs four straight years you're going to go to the playoffs again this year uh that's going to be five straight so what in the world uh, uh, is is kind of my question. Um, you know, I, I think obviously the timing would lead us to believe that the A.J. Brown trade factored heavily in this decision. Um, you know, uh, A.J. Brown is tearing it up in Philadelphia. Meanwhile, there's a huge hole uh, in the Titans offense. And that, that whole situation was magnified a uh, hundred times over this past sunday when aj brown tore the uh, tore the titans apart but it is strange enough you know first of all it's it's uh it's it's you know it doesn't happen all that often uh that you see a general manager fired uh compared to coaches second of all it's rare very rare that you see a, a gm fired in midseason and third uh, you know to have a gm fired with a background a resume like he has put together uh, just, uh, just stuns me, um, despite, you know, and, and David, I'm sure you'll touch on this too, despite Amy Adams-Strunk has had her moments before in, in making some, some, uh, big decisions like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty shocked.
2: Yeah, it's, uh... You know, I think I think the general feeling among the fan base is John Robinson was going to be here forever. You you know, like general managers are like coaches for the most part. You 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 get hired to be fired eventually, but this is a this is a Tennessee guy who who has talked about, you know, growing up rooting for this team and what it meant to run this team. You, you know, there was no sense that he was ever going to be looking for another job and uh, and and given his track record to this point, I mean, there was there was no reason to uh, maybe not no reason but there was a lot of reasons to believe he would be here a long long time but you know it, it's interesting people talk about Amy Adam Strunk they refer to her in the organization as Miss Amy like she's this sweet nice teen mom <laughs> kind of thing you know which which kind of does her a disservice because you know she's she is successful in the business world she she can make difficult decisions and and I think what what you see with this team is she does not like to be embarrassed and and there was a certain level of embarrassment with watching AJ Brown do what he did on Sunday and and John you referenced this you can go back to uh you can go back to 2015 you know her first year in charge of the uh, as, or as controlling owner of the team they go to Houston and in Week Seven get beat twenty to six. Zach Mettenberger's the quarterback in that game is sacked seven times, is 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 just hammered throughout that game. And and the next day, Ken wisenhunt is fired. You know that in, that took in her place hometown
3: in... as well. We should yeah. we should point out too, right? That, know, right yeah, that's right.
2: exactly right. That took place yeah. in her hometown, and and that was not a good look. The next year, they go to Chicago, and and the special teams have a brutal brutal performance up there in in a number of areas, including twelve men on the field. At, at one point that that was a very costly penalty and, and the next day Mike Malarkey the head coach at the time is told you're going to fire your special teams coach Bobby April who who Malar- as i understand it Malarkey and April were really good friends you know that was that was not an easy thing for Mike Malarkey to do but she uh, uh, you know she, she if she sees something she does not like enough then you know this is this is what's going to happen and and you know there were things I think there were causes for concern and you know we've talked about it Isaiah Wilson in twenty twenty was a huge miss. Caleb Farley in twenty twenty one is is not working out well to this point at least. Though those two draft classes as a whole have not produced a whole lot. Julio Jones didn't work out the way you wanted. Jadevian Clowney didn't work out the way you wanted. Uh you, 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 there there's not been a suitable replacement for AJ Brown yet, although Traylon Burks is having his moments. There's you know, there there are things about John Robinson's tenure that you can say, well, I don't really like that. But you have to feel like he deserved the opportunity to fix this too, going forward. Given given what he's been able to accomplish, given given all the players they brought in off the street last year that who came in and played well for them. But uh, but but here we are. They're they're going forward with uh, with Ryan Cowden right now as the interim GM, and and they have promised a quote unquote comprehensive search once the season starts. So uh, uh Donato, I'll go back to you. Is, is the next GM inheriting a really good situation or, or is, is this person going to come in teetering on the brink of disaster given, uh, given some of the missteps this franchise has had?
4: Uh Well, at the end of the day, David, it's about winning. So when you look at this team, just look at the last three years in 2019, this was a team that took Kansas city, all the way down, right right to the wire, end up losing 35-24 in the AFC Championship game. You come back 2020, they're 11-5. Of course, they lose the wild card game to to, uh, Baltimore. And then 2021, they're the number one seed in the league, in the AFC. This is a team, the number one seed in the AFC. And David, that's only happened three times in franchise history. That is John Robinson. So despite of some of the miscues, unfortunately, that he has no control over. No one, none of us expected Isaiah Wilson to get drafted and then leave the NFL for a rap career. That was his <laughs> decision. <laughs> that was his decision. And it hasn't worked out well. But again, you have to, at the end of the day, it's about wins. It's about wins and losses. I don't understand this move. If you're a general manager, you're coming in and you have to replace not only a Tennessee native. But you're also replacing a general manager. If you look at what he's done in seven seasons, it's unprecedented. This is a great resume. So I would tell Mrs. Adams Strong, hey, listen, I played under your dad. I remember in the elevator when he called me Anthony Dorset. I said, No, I'm Bernard <laughs> Walker. I'm the, I'm the guy that uh, in the offseason going to be demanding some money from you. But again. This is a move that I just don't understand. You're still leading the AFC, and you have to put your differences aside. Yes, this team, they've lost, what, the last two weeks, and I know it's been tough, but you have to let Mike Vrabel and his staff work through these times. I don't understand. Why would you make a move right now while you're still the number one? I mean, you you still got a chance to make the playoffs.
2: You're likely to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you're likely to make the playoffs. You have, you have no to do sense. a lot not to make the playoffs exactly. Exactly. at this point, you know? It, but um, but let's let's talk about that john wh- where this team is you know comfortably in first place in the afc south but you look at their losses philadelphia on sunday the new york giants in week one both among the top six teams in the nfc you got buffalo kansas city and uh and cincinnati three of the top four in the afc are the titans the worst of the good teams in the nfl right now and, and and is that something to feel good about? If if that's the case,
3: yeah, I don't think anyone is sitting here saying you know the Titans are, are Super Bowl favorites or or you know one of one of the better teams in the NFL. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and there there are certainly holes on on this roster, uh, you know, as, as there are with with every team. But it, again, it's one thing you know to to complain of, about you know uh, a. a a GM or or a coach, you know, a, he he made this mistake in the draft, or or you know, or, or a coach who should have called this play, you know, every fan or fan base, you know, for every single team has complaints about their coach and general manager. I guarantee it, you know, no matter who who that person is, it, it's natural, but it's another thing entirely to take that to the next level and say those are fireable offenses, um, and I do not think that uh at this point John what what John Robinson had done you know uh, is a fireable offense um you know it uh, again it's one thing to say okay we got to get rid of this guy but you know what's your what's your plan b are you sure you have a better plan than a guy who came in you know when this team had won you know five games over 2 years when this team had gone uh you know one one winning season in the previous 7 Zero playoff berths in the previous seven, and he turned this uh, thing around, you know, with with the help of that that initial trade that he made for the first draft pick. And we have talked about how consistent, uh, you know, things have gone. You know, that's again, I I come back to the to the shock factor there, and I, and and to your original question again, I'll say, yeah, there there are holes in this roster. No one, no one is uh, no one is saying it's the best team, but is that a fireable offense? Is this one of the worst teams in the league? No. Far from it. That, that's for sure. And and to fire him, not only fire him, but twelve games into the season too. It's to me is a is a complete head scratcher.
2: And, and and he's a guy, John Robinson. Keep in mind, is a guy who had the courage and, and the foresight to make a coaching change after his team had been to the playoffs and won a playoff game you know mike Mularkey had two winning seasons right he went nine and seven both years they went to kansas city came back in the second half won a won a playoff game there there was there was a lot to like but but he you know at, at that point he he was the guy who felt well yeah things are good but they need to be better. And, and I think Mike Vrabel can, can make things better for this team and and moved quickly. I I think, you know, I'm convinced he had his eyes on Mike Vrabel from the moment he made that decision. That wasn't a, a process where he evaluated a bunch of guys and Vrabel was the best. And, and, uh, you know, I can't, you know, Vrabel's record speaks for itself too. And, and the 2021 coach of the year and, and all of that. And I can't help, but, but wonder as this roster has taken some hits over the year, what their relationship has been like, where, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday. We'll hear from Mike Vrabel on Wednesday. I fully expect he will say all the right things about, yeah. you know, how much they enjoyed working together. This is the reality of the business. What, whatever they're going to say, but, uh, but you have to believe that at some point over the last year or two, as as things have changed, Mike Vrabel has gone into John Robinson's office and and sort of pounded the desk like you gotta, you know, you gotta help me help you kind of thing. And uh, uh, you know whether whether that whether that argument went up the ladder to the owner's office and, and if that had uh you know if that had any impact on this decision then if it did I you know I don't know. I'm sure we're not gonna hear that, but uh but uh that, that's just one of those things that you can't help but think about at this point. And uh you know, let, let's go back to Sunday a little bit in and AJ Brown specifically. Denard the, the two touchdown catches in particular stand out the the one he just trucked Christian Fulton who a not only got hurt on the play but then got called for a penalty too thank you very much as as he got knocked to the ground and A.J. Brown runs un, you know unguarded down the field the the other one Trey Avery's got blanket coverage on him yes and, and somehow or another A.J. just makes it look like an easy catch anyway if if you're a cornerback which, which one of those plays just angers you more if you're the guy trying to to guard him
4: uh it would be Christian Fulton Christian is better than that on the out route and uh, the out and up uh first of all Trey Avery uh yeah he gave up a few catches but let me tell you something number 30 is a monster if you're Tennessee fans and you looking if you're looking at how a player should be playing look at number 30 on the field and let me just tell you about that catch David that was. Uh, what I call once-in-a-lifetime catch. I've had coverage like that where you're draped all over the receiver, and those two are actually trying, they're they're battling, and I like when the referee just let them fight for it. Unfortunately, Trey ends up taking a little slight what I call his head kind of moves a little way little ways uh, to the left. And unfortunately the ball just end up just, it just goes right into the basket of AJ hands. You can't cover it no better than that. That's great coverage. And unfortunately players and coaches will say this, they get paid to, to make plays. And that's what happened. And with Christian Fulton, let me go back to, um, there's one play in particular, and this is what happened when, when AJ caught that long touchdown, but when his toe was out of bounds, What happened was that is not – that wasn't on Christian Fulton. That's on the defensive defensive coordinator, Shane Bowen. They caught Tennessee in a blitz. And when you blitz, you send send one more than they can block. Unfortunately, Philly, they end up – they got to it. So, again, congratulations to Philly uh, for picking that up. They picked the blitz up. And when you're a cornerback, what happens is you're taught to squat at seven yards. If you're a defender, that's what you do. Unfortunately, AJ, it looked like kind of a double move. He kind of like gave him a little bit of a hesitation and then he went up. That was nothing Christian can do. So that wasn't on Christian Fulton, but on the out route, Christian has to know better. You have to keep your eyes out of the backfield. So pretty much for the first quarter, the first half, a lot of what Tennessee was doing, it was kind of self-inflicted. It was just being, not playing technique. And if they can get better in playing technique, they can play better on Sunday. They just, everything was technique. You can clean that up in the back half.
2: John, as you watched A.J. Brown Sunday, it, it it was impossible, though, was it not, not to think, boy, the Titans would be really dangerous if they had this guy in their offense still this season. Yes?
3: Yeah, well, no doubt. Um, you know, and we've all talked about um, many times, you know, how how much the Titans struggled for, for decades and find a homegrown uh, wide receiver that, that was a real impact player um and they finally had one a guy who went over 2 uh, who went over 1000 yards twice in his first 3 years he made the pro bowl uh, um you know and and we know also that kind of the storyline that led to the trade you know was, was that John Robinson determined that there was too much of a, a, a gap to bridge between the two sides and and you know when AJ Brown got that sense that his money wasn't coming and it wasn't coming in a hurry he was ready to move on. He was ready to get out, and that's when the cutoff communications came and, uh, you know, the, the ask for a trade came. But in in retrospect, you know, John Robinson could not have let that happen. It, it, uh, you know, it, I, I think it falls in his lap, John Robinson's lap, that when you find a player that is as valuable as A.J. Brown was, that you have to find a way to bridge that gap. You have to find a way to pay him as much as the Eagles did, which was, you know, somewhat market value, uh, honestly. And and whether even if that means cutting other players that you thought you were going to have to rely on, you know, you, you do what you have to do in that kind of situation instead of trading away A.J. Brown. So, yeah, certainly, you know, when he was out there catching touchdown passes and then dropping X plays on the Titans left and right, uh, that that just magnified that point. You know, so so incredibly. And I don't know if you guys saw the little video clip that's been going around. I'm not even sure who took it, but up in the owner's box uh, uh, of the Titans at the at the Eagles game, Um, you know, Philly fans, uh, Davey, you should be proud of your (laughs) your uh, your your Philly people. Uh, You know, I guess this was after one of A.J.'s scores. Basically, there there's, you know, s- several people that were basically turning around up right near the owner's box and and flashing the bird, uh, oh. you know, into in the Titans owner's box. To your point about Amy Adams drunk clearly doesn't like to be embarrassed or humiliated. Well, that's uh, that that was probably uh, not not the best uh, you know step in the world for John Robinson. At that point, <laughs> when, when Amy Adams drunk is dealing with Philly fans throwing the bird at her after A.J. Brown scores touchdowns. So yeah, it was uh, uh, it, it clearly uh, stung.
2: Yeah, it it's uh, you, you have to wonder who she talked to too. I, I mean, clearly she she thought about it for a day, and, and you know, did she just kind of sit in her office and and kind of roll through scenarios and 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 what have you, or or did she? Did she talk to some people, and and what kind of advice did she get? You know, she is not one who is comfortable in front of the media at all. There was no press conference to address this uh, decision; just a just a press release with a with a fairly short statement. I, I don't imagine we're going to get a press conference at uh, at any point. So these these are questions that are that are going to go unanswered. But but John, you're you know Ryan Calden, the, the interim GM, is a uh, a, a similarly somewhat unknown i guess person within the organization we we heard from him at the start of training camp he was uh he did a a press conference conference with john robinson the majority of the questions for robinson you you did speak to him at one point last season for a story you were working on what's uh what's your sense of uh of ryan cowden and what he has meant to this organization to this point
3: yeah, I, you know, in, in my dealings with him, you know, whether it was for that story or, or at the the presser that you mentioned, I I've you know, my impression is is a very sharp guy, uh, very personable guy, you know. I I certainly get the sense that he's a grinder uh as well. And and as you pointed out, David, in, in your story on, on Ryan Cowden today, you know, uh he was one of John Robinson's, you know, first hires, uh and and he's kind of been one of John Robinson's right hand men uh here with the organization. So I, I think certainly this, you know, is is a situation, you know, a bit of a of a trial run uh, for for Ryan Cowden, you know, as as they uh, look ahead to the to the next general manager uh, spot, you know, I I, I imagine it's kind of difficult to have a trial run as a GM during the season, you know, because honestly, probably your biggest decisions as a GM, you know, a lot of them come in you know, a draft and free agency and that kind of thing. But certainly he'll get you know some opportunities to to leave a mark, um you know on the Titans coming up and and I'm sure he'll be considered as will I'm sure you know Monty Osinfert, um third year of the uh, uh, he's in his third year as the Titans uh director of player personnel another guy that John Robinson has has really counted on and both those guys Monty Osinfert and Ryan Cowden have had multiple interviews for general managers in the last few years haven't landed any but. You know, certainly well well considered around the league.
2: Yeah, and and one of the one of the interesting aspects of of John Robinson's tenure too. I, I thought this was odd. I'm not going to say this was wrong, um, because everybody's going to do their, their job the way they feel like it. But John Robinson was a guy who was not just on the practice field every day. I mean, he was in the practices. He was he would he would run some of the drills early in practice, some of the the one-on-one stuff and and he was he was very heavily involved during the kicking periods and and he'd go down and and, and occasionally, you know, Put pad work pads with defensive linemen or something like this. I, uh, you know, I, I thought that that made him different in a way. And, and Denard, I want to ask you, like, how odd is that when when you were playing? How much contact did you have with the GM during the uh, during the season during the, the course of a regular work week, for example? And and should Ryan Ryan Cowden be a guy who who becomes more familiar to guys in the locker room right now?
4: Uh, I had none unless you got in trouble. If you get in trouble, then you go see see what they called called, uh, Sarge. They called Florida Reese Sarge. Uh, But we didn't have much contact with him during the week. Uh, We saw him Sunday after the games. He would come in if we won. If not, you wouldn't see him. And so right now, if you're the new GM, what you have to do is to kind of leave your mark. What are you about? Uh, Again, this is – you know, for John Robinson, this is not unusual. He was a football coach. He actually coached linebackers. And before he got into the kind of the office, what do you call it? A personnel office, front office, scouting, office. Yeah, scout scout in new England. And just to kind of, um, as you alluded to earlier about Mike Vrabel, Uh, and John Robertson relationship. This goes all the way back to New England. That's where he started out as a scout. So there's, you know, there's always saying that familiarity actually breeds success in this league. You'll see a lot of uh, GMs or they'll go back and get somebody that they're familiar with. But again, this is going to be a tough move. I I just, I don't understand this. Um, I was always taught when you play this game, never allow your emotions to dominate your intellect, which means you should know better. And I am i wouldn't say that I'm shocked because I've seen a lot of – I've seen some things and I'm kind of like, you know, that's not right. But this is a situation that if Tennessee's not caref- careful, it can actually hunt them. I mean, what John Robinson has done is, is is just amazing. Look at the players that he's drafted. I know we talked about Isaiah Wilson, and I know Kayla Farley hasn't worked out, but he did draft Derrick Henry and a young man by the name of – is it the Marshall – Kevin Byard and then not to mention look at some of the free agency brought in in the past DeMarco Murray, who's now, you know, running backs coach down in Oklahoma. And isn't there a quarterback by the name of Ryan Tannehill that a lot of teams gave up on Miami said, you know what, we need to get rid of this guy. And he's now in Tennessee and he's putting up some, some heck of a numbers. He played well. Unfortunately, Sunday, he just got, you know, unfortunately there was no line to protect him. But again, I just think that this is a situation I'm going to be scratching my head for a while.
2: Yeah, and Murray, Murray, and Tannehill actually were, were trades, trade acquisitions, mm-hmm. and, and and that's that's another that's another a bit of John Robinson's legacy that will go down. Like he was not a guy who would sit around and hope for the draft to fall his way or, or sit around and and sort of wait for things to happen. You know, if he felt there was a guy on the draft board and they were getting close to him, he, he made a trade, jumped up and got him. They, you know, they, they needed a backup quarterback with some veteran experience in in 2019 to, you know, as sort of a safety net for, Ryan Tannehill so he goes out and gets Ryan Tannehill in in a in a tremendous deal where they gave up very little and actually got a late draft pick back from Miami who turned into David Long who oh by the way is is a really good draft pick too and uh and, and you can look at you can look at his success with undrafted free agents a guy like you know you mentioned Trey Avery right now Tierra Tart and uh you know Aaron Brewer who's a who's a member of the starting offensive line right now and 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 on and on so you know, given given the successes, John, I'll, I'll ask you this: Does does that help Ryan Cowden or Monty Asenfort's chances of getting the job? You know, it, it should Amy Adams Strunk, given a little time, think. You know what? There's a lot worth building on and continuing down the same path here, or or should we be expecting a, a, a sort of a fresh new approach and and a a, a clear set of eyes on this franchise?
3: Yeah, that that's the question, you know, whether these guys like, like Cowden and Austin Fort, you know, do they become tainted a little bit because they were right-hand men of John Robinson, who apparently, obviously, was persona non grata and, and was canned there. Um, you know, I, I thought it was interesting. There have been a couple uh, reports, you know, from some of the national uh, guys, Schefter and and I think uh, somebody from the NFL Network, maybe Tom Pelissero basically sort of alluding to the fact that that you know Amy Adams strunk wasn't necessarily happy uh, not only with with roster construction but also the fact that maybe she wasn't included in as many conversations um that she wanted to be and and I thought back to that and I, and I started thinking I I heard you know on more than one occasion I can remember John Robinson saying, hey, one of the best things about Amy Adams Strunk is she lets us do our job. You know, she she lets, uh, you know, me make personnel moves. She lets Mike Brayble coach. Uh, well, maybe, uh, you know, it uh, took that a little bit uh, too much for granted. Uh, you know, and, and what I'm trying to say here is that if I'm Ryan Cowton uh, or for that matter, for, for Monty Asenfort, I, I would make it a priority to make sure that Amy would, <laughs> <You don't say. laughs> is, is included in about every conversation uh, down to what the, uh, the pregame meal uh, is going to be. If, if I'm thinking that I'm going to be a, a GM, <laughs> um, but you know, they, they both do have, uh, you know, very good uh, track records. Like I say, I, my dealings with Cowden, uh, you know, I, I was, uh, I was quite impressed. So I, I think, you know, I, I tend to think that they will not be shaded by the fact that they were part of the Robinson uh regime. I think this emotional move is is done with and and I think it's gonna be more, you know, clear headed uh in my my opinion moving forward.
2: We're in the home stretch here and, and Denard, you uh you referenced uh, the offensive line a couple minutes ago. Um Derrick Henry has fallen to third in the league in rushing hasn't averaged better than 3.1 yards per carry over the last 4 games, has had fewer than 40 rushing yards each of the last 2 games, hasn't had a gain of uh, of 10 yards or more in the last 3 games or is this is this you know he had a 10 yard carry in in the first yeah, one over Not, 10 yeah yeah I said 10 or more um Denard is 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 Derrick Henry in decline all of a sudden, or is this a is this an offensive line problem?
4: Uh, this is an offensive line because you what they gave up six sacks Sunday. They were that was bad. If you look at that line from Philly, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, talking about Javon Hargrave. And I'm not gonna mention Josh Sweat. Every time I hear that name, I start sweating because <laughs> it was like it turned into the second half, the Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick show, they did not have an answer for that bliss. It just looks like every time they started, they come and it was a sack. And I love what Mike Vrabel did in pulling Ryan Tannehill out of the game in the fourth quarter. It was just it was killing me to see that. But the offensive line right now, Dennis Daly, especially those tackles, they were out not only outplayed, they were out outfizzled out physical and Philly just they went to work on him. They have to clean this offensive line up. I don't care. You can put Emma Smith in his prime. You can put Walter Payton in his prime. When you have a terrible offensive line, I don't care how good you are, you will not be able to run the ball. I played with the great Eddie George, but I guarantee you we had a one heck of an offensive line. Brad Hopkins, Fred Miller. You're talking about the Hall of Famer, Bruce Matthews. We have Stepnowski. We had some dogs up front. That's how you win in this league is in the trenches. Right now, Tennessee, offensively, their line, they're hurting, David.
2: John Glennon, you wrote about this this week. Mike Vrabel said Monday, anything is possible in terms of personnel changes, whatnot. Um, a, a big target, I think, for a lot of people is left tackle Dennis Daly, who is who is sort of been uh you know he's been locked in there ever since taylor lawan got hurt H- his performance hasn't been spectacular um do, do you believe mike rabel that that maybe they're considering change and, and what are their options at left tackle or or maybe some of the other spots on the line that you think might need to be addressed
3: yeah you know i thought monday was really the first time even though dennis daly had been brought up before i thought that you know this was kind of the first time that, that mike rabel opened the door you know, ever so slightly and, and, and said that, you know, uh, Raven Clark will compete, uh, you know, th- this week, basically in practice. Um, so I, I get the sense that he is open to change and, and honestly, like how can you not be open to change uh, at this point? You know, uh, uh, Daly gave up three of the, of the sacks uh, on Sunday you know, uh, if you look at the pro football focus stats, uh Daly has given up nine sacks this year. That's tied for the most among tackles in the in the NFL. Um, you know, it, it's not, you know, there are some tackles that they give up a lot of sacks and you say, okay, well, at least he's a great run blocker. Uh You know, I, I don't see evidence and, and there's no evidence really to, to show that, that he is great in the, in the run game either. So don't you have to at least try something else, you know, even if, Raven Clark, you know, doesn't work out well. You know, maybe you know it, it's a bit of, of a tiny upgrade. Maybe you only give up two sacks uh, from the left tackle position, and all of a sudden that's a step in the in the right direction. So that that to me is the only logic or the only spot uh, or the move that I think Mike Vrabel would make because as much as it also seems to make sense to maybe give Dylan Raiden's. Another shot at left tackle, the position he played in college, and a start he made last year. They seem to show no inclination of moving him back to tackle from, from guard. Uh, and, and so far, there seems to be no evidence that they're looking for anybody, um, you know, off the, off the roster either. So perhaps that is uh, priority number one um, uh, for, for Ryan Cowden, you know, at least finding a player or two and potentially bringing them in and, and giving them a shot at that position.
2: And up next, the Jacksonville Jaguars at uh at four and eight. We we've talked about how the Titans have not beaten the best teams in the NFL, but they have sort of feasted on the lower ranks of the NFL. Any reason anybody concerned about Jacksonville here in the in the last minute or two of this program? Any anybody anybody see a problem after two straight losses here that, that can't be overcome by facing the Jaguars?
4: Well, if history repeats itself, this is a team that's uh, below five hundred. So, <laughs> or I'm sorry, so the Titans are six. They're six zero oh this season, facing teams below five hundred. So let's cross our fingers they can get back on
3: track. I, and, and go ahead, John. And I was going to say, you know, if history is any indication, if Derrick Henry is going to have any game that that he's going to break out of his run and slump. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars, yeah, exactly. where he's had, you know, some <laughs> oh, of his yeah. his best success over the years. And and I think, you know, I don't think Jacksonville has won in Nashville since something, you know, 2013 or 2014. So all the arrows point to the Titans getting back on track uh, at home this week
2: excellent point about derrick henry only the uh only the houston texans have been worse at stopping him over the years so uh we will uh we will see how it plays out as always we will be back next week to talk about it uh thank you as always for listening denard walker thank you sir thank you john glennon thank you sir
3: okay thanks guys
2: and thanks everybody for listening and downloading this is the believe in titans podcast brought to you by bet online we'll talk to you next week